0: Every Arizona homeowner's best friend. And it all has to do with you. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the House. Your weekend wake-up tradition.
1: living is the life for me.
0: Good morning, everybody. And welcome to Rosie on the House. This hour, our outdoor living hour, we always talk about the things going on between your home And the edge of your property, your garden, your lawn, your hedges, your trees. This morning we have a special guest in, Mr. Greg Peterson, the Urban Farm. Greg, thanks for coming in, my friend. Oh my gosh, absolutely. I love love being here. Gosh, what a great time of year. There's nothing like fall. Let me just give all Arizona homeowners a heads up. Uh, If you haven't taken a trip north to take in the fall colors, I will tell you, I was hiking Humphreys Peak on Monday. And uh, if you haven't gone, you're going to miss it really soon. Uh, above 10,000 feet, the trees were bare. But at the Snowbowl, the scenic gondola runs today and tomorrow before they shut it down for the winter. So the drive up Snowbowl Road is gorgeous. Um uh, once you get to about ten thousand feet, it gets a little bare. But if you want to see the fall colors and you want to see it easily, a drive up to Snow Bowl and a ride in that scenic gondola is a great way to do it. They close tomorrow, so you have this weekend to get up there and kind of drink in all those fall colors. We're here with Greg Peterson of the Urban Farm, and before we dive in today's topic, Greg um I'd like to just rewind a little bit and and talk about the urban farm and uh, can you give me like a two minute elevator speech on the urban farm
1: I don't know that I could do two minutes I know it's more like two I, that's hours why, that's but
0: why I said two two minutes, minutes. there you go because <laughs> we uh, got to get to the topic
1: <laughs> okay cool well uh so my urban farm it's near near the studio here I'm near 16th Street in Bethany home it's a A quarter of an acre. That's 80 feet wide by 160 feet deep. And I moved in there 32 years ago. That's over half of my life ago. That's kind of, you know, mind blowing that I've been there over half my life. And uh, in 1991, I discovered something called permaculture. Permaculture, I like to call the art and science of working with nature. It's a design methodology to work in the flow of nature. And so I back then created my yard into an edible landscape an edible orchard, uh, you know, and and basically everything is edible or it supports edible in the space. And I open it up periodically. We'll be opening it up again in the spring for okay. tours. We okay. do tours. And it's really a place to inspire people to look differently at their landscape and not just grow oleanders and grass. You know, it doesn't make sense to me to plant things in your yard that you can't eat. You, you've you converted me. <laughs> nice. Uh, years ago. Uh,
0: there's just no sense in watering it, caring for it, weeding it, fertilizing it, trimming it,
1: hedging it, if you can't eat it. That's right. Especially, especially in a mega drought. You know, we're in this drought that people aren't paying attention to. And, uh, you know, if you're going to be putting water on your yard, get something for it. Amen. And you, you have a particular vision statement
0: about local sustainability.
1: Yeah. About 10, 15, maybe 15 years ago, I created this vision called 10,000 Urban Farms in Phoenix. And really what it is, is it's a conversation about re-looking at our landscape and enrolling at least 10,000 people in growing food in their yard. It's, It's simple to grow food here. It's hard if you come from someplace else and just try to go like, grow like you do in washington or minnesota so that's what the urban farm is about the urban farm is about teaching people strategies in the desert on how to grow food and it's easy to grow food here once you know the rules
0: it really is it 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 did take a little practice but uh uh it does but that's you know you got it dialed in right uh and if you're going to spend the time building and enabling your soil to produce the kind of food you want. Yep. Um, I'd much rather spend my time doing that than worrying about blooming oleanders.
1: Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So exactly. One of the things I did, I went back to school late in life. I got my bachelor's and master's degree in my forties. And when I went back to ASU, as a bachelor, for my bachelor's degree in 2001, I started farming my front yard. So once a week and early, early in the morning on Wednesday, I'd go out and I'd harvest everything in my yard and I'd take it to the farmer's market. And I'd make two or 300 bucks a week and anything I had left over, a friend of mine owned a restaurant. So I took the rest to her and she fed me lunch. And so I had, you know, a couple 300 bucks a week cash that I just, you know, harvested out of my yard literally love it it's simple it's really that simple so that's that's the basis for my passion is let's get us fed and
0: today this week in particular we were going to focus on one of the seas
1: yeah of
0: arizona uh you know they're up to seven seas now
1: oh really i only know five what are Uh, the other two well they've
0: added cacti oh that makes sense and canyons oh Oh, oh, very good. So, yep. on top of the longstanding five C's, Arizona now is a seven C. Oh, but citrus still holds its
1: place. Oh, it does. It does. You know, and the 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 big thing I love about citrus, and there's this book out there called called Oranges by John McPhee. He wrote it in 1966. It's really a history of citrus on the planet. On the planet. On the planet, all worldwide, and he actually found. Uh, in Europe, a citrus tree that lived to 479 years old. Ooh. I have two citrus trees, two Arizona sweets in my backyard that are over 100 years old. Okay. This is one of the things I so love about citrus. It, if you treat it right, if you fertilize it right, and we'll talk about that in a little while, but if you, if you do everything uh, to support and nurture your tree, they will outlast you. Who tended that four hundred year old citrus tree? Um, it was. It, it was. A, I think he found it in one of the castles. And okay, so I can't remember. It's been so long ago that I read the book. But
2: so your hundred year old trees are still producing.
1: They are. Wow. Absolutely. I so I live in an old citrus orchard. In fact, this whole area where the studio sits, sure, uh, was a massive citrus orchard. In fact, um, they used to run a train. Uh, a. a, a Trained to move the citrus from this area, downtown Phoenix, to downtown Phoenix. Now, what would that citrus have been? What your 100-year-old tree,
0: what Mm -hmm. is it producing?
1: It produces Arizona sweets. Okay. And it seems to me, from from what I've seen over the past 40 years of citrus orchards here in town, they produce two main kinds, kinds of citrus, the Arizona sweet orange and a white grapefruit. You know, that kind of tart white grapefruit. Uh, because that's what most people have in their yard and that sets them up to think oh my gosh why should i grow more citrus if those are the only two i can grow and the beautiful thing is is that there are literally dozens of different varieties of citrus that we can grow here
0: now on your modest lot Mm -hmm. urban farm how many citrus trees do you have
1: i have about 20 citrus trees on my property and that's a how big of an acre? About a, th- a quarter th- of an acre. About 13,000 acre. square feet. Yeah.
2: Let me ask you how you get rid of those. I mean, you don't eat all those yourself, right? Or do you?
1: The citrus, I do. Oh, wow. That's because... the beautiful thing about okay. citrus. Because you always see the it... little
2: dollar bags out in front of people's right. houses. No, because I, they're like, got all I this consume
1: fruit. a lot of citrus. Because the the cool thing about citrus is that, or one of the cool things about citrus is that it starts ripening. Uh, here in about two or three weeks, I'll be able to start pulling citrus off of my navel oranges. So right about mid November I start harvesting navel oranges. And they stay on the tree for 2 months. I eat 2 to 3 to 4 to 5 citrus oranges oranges a day. Wow. Yeah, well I just go out in the yard and I harvest them, you know, I take my pocket knife out and I harvest them and just eat them while I'm standing in the yard. Um, so I get about two months out of my navel oranges and then I get about two months out of my Trovita oranges and my Miniole tangelos. Uh, so I have about four months of citrus that I get. Then the Arizona sweets come in. Arizona sweets are primarily good for squeezing. So we have the juice from them and lemons come, you know, late into the spring. So I get about five months of citrus harvest. And I have planted strategically in my yard so that I plant what I love. In fact, I get this question a lot. What should I grow? Well, you should grow what you love. Right. Mm-hmm. Right?
0: Well, the great thing about citrus is the tree is the pantry as opposed to a peach tree. It's not going to keep your peaches. That's true. You, 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 man, when they're right, <laughs> you, you got to get in there you and gotta grab get, them right
1: Exactly. Now. But in
0: citrus the trees the pantry it just, yep. you just you stay there till you're ready to, to grab one exactly. but you can also
2: like squeeze and juice them and then freeze them yep all kinds of ways cuz then you don't have to pay a dollar a piece for them in off season at the grocery store right
1: so, listening to Greg all these years, I believe that's called successive ripening? Yes! That's exactly what it's called. It's called successive ripening. We do it with peaches. We do it with apricots. Um, we do it with citrus. And, and basically what it means, so the simplest example, Gary, is yes. uh, the peach trees in my front yard. I have a mid-May peach, a beginning June peach, a mid-June peach, and an end-of-June peach. And, you know, we get about two weeks off of peaches. You know, off of the tree, right? They last about two weeks. That's it. Yeah. So back to your pantry thing. yeah. Oh man. The nice thing about my citrus is I get two months.
0: Yeah. That is pretty handy.
1: Yeah, it really is.
0: That that peach comes in, baby. You got it. You better cancel whatever you've got and get that tree harvested.
1: Right. (laughs) Exactly. When I I don't travel in May and June. Yeah. I don't travel.
0: I I don't imagine. You harvest.
1: I harvest. May and June is about harvesting apricots, peaches, mulberries, apples, and, and preserving them. Because, you know, once they come off of the tree, boom, you got to eat them or do something with them. It's hard for us to talk about
0: citrus without generating a lot of phone call questions. Uh-huh. If you've got questions about why your citrus is or isn't producing, when to fertilize it, how to care for it, we're going to be covering that all this hour. But you're welcome to give us a ring at 1 while Greg is here in studio. Don't call at 9 o'clock and ask your orange question, because then (laughs) then you'll just get me. (laughs) And uh, I can tell you one thing about, is a
1: pomegranate a citrus? Pomegranates are not citrus, although they're getting ready to ripen now.
0: Yeah, I I can testify to the fact that they're sturdy. Yes. Because I've tried to
1: kill the one in my backyard about eight times. (laughs) And, And it will not. die. Die. Yeah, I've got one in my backyard I've been trying to get rid of too. Oh, mercy. And if
0: I can't kill something, it's sturdy. (laughs) It's really sturdy. (laughs) Right. More when we get back with Mr. Greg Peterson.
1: Soft and pulpy orange. Sweet orange, sour orange. Oh, my God. Where do you come up with that oh, stuff? <laughs> you, know, you, you mentioned you sour orange. orange. Oh, yeah. Uh, is, is there such a thing? There is I'm, such a thing. It's a, it's a rootstock, actually. Okay. And yeah. can you grow it here? I assume you can. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Can, yeah.
2: You, can you explain what ornamental orange is? Those sour like, oranges. Please do. Oh, and you can eat them? <laughs>
1: uh, they're good for making marmalade. They're very Sour. sour. Um generally it's not something people like to eat. Yeah, okay. Yeah, cuz the first time I ate one it cut my throat in half. It's re- I mean the juice in there's oh yeah. really sour. Yeah. But-
0: Very good. We're here talking all types of citrus. If you've got a question, Miss Alicia Singh from the Cronkite School of Broadcasting at ASU is here to be your call screener 188-767-4348. We'll take your questions.
2: Or you can text us at 411-923. And uh, I'm going to continue my little soapbox. If you want to talk to Rosie or any of the guests, Saturday mornings, your appointment, <laughs> when he's behind, is in that chair, you are most likely to reach him. Give us a call.
0: Now, we're here with Greg Peterson, who had the vision 10, 15 years ago of getting 10,000 urban farms located throughout the Phoenix metro area. You know that's a that's an inspiring and noble vision. I mean, it was Mr. Bartholomew Square Foot Gardening. His vision was to wipe out world hunger. Yeah. No, that's a big one. Yeah. That's a big one.
1: Well, my my, <laughs> you when you ask for visions, I created my vision yeah. in 1991. I'm the person on the planet responsible for transforming our global food system. There you we go. We have a broken food system. That's, that's why big. I do what I do.
0: It is a broken food system. And we learned that last year. That we really did. Yes, twice. How how fragile yep. the distribution system
1: can become. Yeah. Well, and you know, I don't know if you're paying any attention with the distribution that's going on in the planet right now. How could but, you
0: not? Oh, be a kitchen remodeler and try to buy an
1: oven right now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> We've got a dead refrigerator at home. Yeah, I bet you do. Because it's missing a part.
0: Yeah. And, it, and that part is in a container sitting... Uh, somewhere. Yeah, somewhere. Yeah. No, it's, it, it is incredibly fragile. It is. So with those kinds of visions uh, and, the, and the concept of if you're going to plant something, if you're going to care for something, make it edible. And I'll tell you, uh, I, I learned that and, and my yard continues to be transformed. Nice. But one of the, one of the uh, most valuable lessons that I've learned in that, is I love a grilled artichoke.
1: Uh, I mean, I could
0: eat a grilled artichoke as an appetizer before supper, literally four or five days a
1: week. Wow. I love grilled artichoke. Yeah. Um, And artichokes grow really well here.
0: And they do. And they make a beautiful hedge.
1: Yes, they do. So you've got
0: your hedge, you've got your... Artichokes—they uh, do seem to be fairly resilient. Uh, uh, got a couple that uh, do pretty well. I, oh yeah. I Ended up losing one last year. Yeah. Broke my heart.
1: But well, it's you know that's part of the process. There, artichokes like—oh, um, um, just went out of my brain. But artichokes—they have a, a set life time. They'll, they'll, they'll last three or four years, but they'll grow back from the roots. Oh wow! I am told. Okay,
0: All right, well, I love artichokes. That is a sample of planting something you love and let it be a, a part of your landscaping scheme, right? It really makes a pretty kind of a greenish blue hedge. I love it. and then and then if you let one go to blossom every once in a while, that's really a pretty cool plant,
1: right? It is yeah, exactly. When I have mentioning hedges, I part of how I have a, you know as many citrus trees on my property is I have a hedge that sits right on the street. So I have the street, my berm, and a screen. citrus hedge,
0: right? It is a great privacy screen.
1: And here's the thing. From a planning perspective, I could never build a fence there right. in front of my property. But you can put a row of plants there, a hedge of plants, legally do it, and you can eat right
0: off it. And they're all citrus, and they're not out of control. You've You've kind of contained
1: them yep. into a hedge format. Right, exactly. Exactly. Well, and that you know, that's one of my favorite ways to keep all fruit trees is small. Small fruit trees are easier to manage. Uh, it, you know, a peach they can
2: really get really big,
1: right? Well, a peach tree can be forty feet tall. An yeah. apple tree can be forty feet tall, and those trees, that fruit at the top of that tree, that's bird food.
2: Well your mom's your mom's citrus is how tall is that? those are huge. Yeah, oh, almost twenty. Yeah.
0: yeah
1: exactly. So like you said, nobody gets to those. Citrus. Well, and you know, we do mm-hmm. have citrus pickers for those, but uh, there's this concept called backyard orchard culture, and it's really about keeping the trees small because you know, one citrus tree can be thirty foot diameter. Right. They can be huge. In that same space of a thirty foot diameter citrus tree, I can plant ten different varieties of citrus. Now,
0: being the um, butcher I am, uh, plant butcher, how do I control, is it strategic learned uh, trimming and pruning? Pruning. Or do I just take the edge clippers to it twice a year and just keep it small on the outside?
1: Uh, You can absolutely do that. And it's it's not great for the tree, but it's not disastrous for the tree to use a hedge trimmer. Um, Sounds like we're going to...
0: We, we do. We have a couple callers, and I just wanted to let them know. We're Roland and Mary Lou. We see you're on line with questions. Hang on. We're going to have to break the bottom of the hour news. When we get back, you'll be first up. The Bob Robertson Society Band. Every Sunday at the orange grove stem. They don't play grunge and they don't play loud. It's the magic of the music that still draws a crowd. Well, the word goes. The magic of citrus. Talking citrus here today with Mr. Greg Peterson of the Urban Farm. Uh, Greg, you had a couple more comments you wanted to add to my strategy of pruning. Pruning,
1: yeah. So <laughs> with citrus, you basically want to keep them the size and shape that you want them. So uh, there's two things to do. And citrus notoriously have branches die back. If you have a citrus tree, you have branches that have died back. It's They just do that. It's part of their growth process. Okay. So s- step one is prune out the dead. Step two is make it the size and shape that you want it. If you have one that's way too big and you want to prune it back, do it over the course of about three years and prune it back about 20% a year until it's smaller. It will recover very nicely. Remember those two uh, citrus trees that I have? They're 100 years old on my back back 40 at the urban farm. Um, About 15 years ago, they looked like they had pretty much died. And so I went in there with my little chainsaw. And, you know, citrus is really hard. And, you know, the stump on these things is a good 18 inches. So it's huge. So I went in there with my little chainsaw and did what I could. And then I was going to call my tree guy to come in and take the stumps out. That didn't happen. And it didn't happen. And before long, they sprouted again. (laughs) I I had these two stumps in the back of the yard that sprouted into brand new trees. So, you know, just keep them the size and shape that you want them. Uh, And they came back as Arizona Sweets? And they came back as Arizona
0: Sweets, absolutely. Uh, My mother's got a citrus tree in her yard. I think it started as a lime, and
1: now it's something else. Yeah, well, that's the (laughs) rootstock taking over. Yeah.
0: Well, let's get to some of the questions before we go on with our care, uh, loving care of your citrus. We've got Mary Lou calling from Tucson. Let's bring Mary Lou in, introduce her to Mr. Greg. Mary Lou, how can we help you this morning in Tucson?
2: Well, good morning to all of you. Thank you for taking my call. You bet. Um, I heard you speaking of pomegranates. I have one <clears throat> that was being watered while I was gone for several weeks, and it almost died. They uh, overwatered. Um, and I was wondering when it drops its leaves, which it's trying to do now, uh, Can I? how far back can I prune
1: it? Okay. Oh, <laughs> well, as Rosie found out, you can prune it back all the way to the ground <laughs> yeah. and it'll come back. Yeah. It is deciduous, so it does drops, drop drop it leaves starting this time of year. Um, you know, and ba- pomegranates can get really big. Uh, I had a friend 25 years ago who had a two-story pomegranate in his backyard that he'd cut a, a door in on the first story and cleaned out the middle so he had a fort for his kids. So they can get really big if you let them. Um and so and and they're immune to mispruning. You can prune away and make it so my they, advice they sure
0: seem to be. Yeah. My <laughs> advice
1: to you is make it the size and shape that you want it.
0: There you go, Mary Lou. We appreciate the call from Tucson. Enjoy the pomegranate. Is it pomegranate or pomegranate?
1: Yes. Okay. All right.
0: Very good. <laughs> all right. Let's go to Roland calling from Queen Creek. Good morning. Hey. Good morning, my friend.
1: I've got an area
2: on the east side of my house that we use as a
0: dog run, and we planted. It was doing well. It was about 15 feet tall, just starting to give shade. That uh, wind we had earlier in the spring broke that thing off right in the middle. I was wondering if you had a suggestion for another type of tree. And, plant. and i'm sorry roland what was the tree that was there a bottle brush uh-huh. okay bottle brush okay all right so we're in a narrow area yep off the side of the house uh as a contractor builder uh i would encourage him not to plant any tree within about three to five feet of the house exactly move it out away from the foundation yep now with that said the, the floor is yours. What would you put?
1: Well, and the other problem we have is if we put what I would like to put in there, which would be a, a native mesquite tree, because they grow fast, they provide nice shade. Um, they also have roots that can do some uh, yeah. some damage. So, you, you know, it's just know that in 10 or 20 years, it might, if you plant it close to the fence, it might jack up the fence. So and, it,
0: to- and, a, and a mesquite's hard to
1: control into a narrow confine. Actually, it's not. Okay, the single trunk. You just grow them out as a single trunk, so they can be bushes, uh, which means you leave the lower branches on, or you, they can be trees, which means you remove the lower branches and just let it grow straight up. So you can, you know, you can grow them out like an umbrella in your space, um, provide lots of shade. Well, I do love that. They, yeah. they will
0: grow quick and it will restore his shade fairly
1: quickly. Yeah, exactly.
0: All right, Roland. I hope that helps. Okay. Diving back into the topic of citrus, which yeah. is our topic of the hour. Um, where are we in this conversation?
1: Well, let's. Uh, what I really want to get to is um, this notion of killing your fruit trees. As you can imagine, the I have- The notion or the habit or the tendency?
2: Or the accident? Yeah,
1: all of them. <laughs> all of them, exactly. I, I, You know, I have my fruit tree education program. I started it 22 years ago. I've actually been growing fruit trees here in the Valley since 1975. Okay. Um, and I've discovered a lot over the years. And there are very specific things that people do that end up killing their fruit trees. And about 99% of the time, if somebody sends me a picture at at fruittreesaturbanfarm.org and says, what's going on with my tree?
0: Yeah.
1: One of these three things is going on. Okay. They either planted them in a lawn. They planted them in a very hot microclimate, which is gravel and concrete and block walls. Decomposed granite nude yard. Exactly. (laughs) Or they've got them on a drip system. Okay. Now I have solutions for all three of those. So if that's what you have, if that's the space that you have, we have solutions in our education program. Um, but don't do that, you know. Don't put your trees in a place where you know you're going to cook them um, with a hot microclimate. Basically, what I tell people to do, and this is gravel yards, dirt yards, block walls, that kind of stuff. Go stand there in August for 15 <laughs> minutes in the afternoon and Bare, say, barefoot, w- w- barefoot, exactly, barefoot. Would I like to live here? Your trees aren't going to like it. Or in a lawn, what invariably happens in lawns is the Bermuda outcompetes the tree.
2: The roots of the Bermuda? Yep, like, exactly. They're down there drinking up all the...
1: Yep. Nutrients so and water and that kind of stuff. You bet. So in both cases, I have a solution in our education program. Basically, my solution is what's called the 6-6 six, six rule. Six inches deep six-foot diameter basin around the tree. And that's, that's the starter for making sure that you don't, you know, that the Bermuda grass doesn't outcompete or you don't cook your tree. And what you do in that basin is once the tree is planted, you put six inches of woody mulch. And that woody mulch uh, acts as a buffer It acts as a buffer from the sprinkler water in your lawn. It acts as a heat buffer. It acts as a sponge, so it holds water. And it very quickly starts breaking down into amazing soil. If you're going to plant trees in a lawn, put your disc in, you know, six inches deep, six-foot diameter. Plant your tree. Put your woody mulch in. The tree gets established, and in two years, the lawn grows back, and you're golden. Oh, okay. Right? So you're not having to
0: fight the tree well to keep and maintain it you're not
1: just give it a good start you just give it a good start okay. exactly so that's number one um number two is if at all possible never put your uh tree on drip okay um i can't tell you how many pictures i've gotten of a drip emitter right next to the trunk of a tree it's an al- a gallon per hour they turn it on for a half hour every morning and that waters a you know a six-inch square space around the tree and ignores all the rest of it. Um, we do have a product on our shopping cart called our drip ring, and um, you can find out about that at fruittrees.org. And the drip ring has nine at uh, eighteen emitters, half gallon per hour puts out nine gallons per hour. That's enough. You know, you run it for three or four hours once a week, and that fills up. Uh, you know. S- saturates the basin around the tree. Um,
2: and is that is one more important thing about planting a tree to make sure you don't plant it too deep? Oh, That's a huge. real tendency, right? Like, I'm only going to protect this and bring yeah. it way down in here, and that's not right. like, That's not good.
1: Yeah, so what we suggest people do is they put them on a mound. So we're putting this basin around the tree. You want to put the tree on a mound in the middle, and you plant it to the same level that it's planted in the pot that you're getting it in. Uh, you And you never want to have Uh, woody mulch up against the trunk of the tree so if you're putting this when you're putting your six foot diameter basin around you put the tree on a mound in the middle so that the woody mulch is a moat around it very good and then and then when you're planting your tree that's that's very important as well planting in native soil And this goes for not just fruit trees. This goes for any tree. If you just dig a hole, drop a tree in, walk away, good luck. There's a 80-20 chance that it's not going to make it. 80% chance it's not going to make it. You have to supplement the soil. You mentioned earlier about growing healthy soil. Our job as growers of anything, especially in the desert, is to grow healthy soil. There's five components of healthy soil. Dirt, which is what you have. Airspace, water, organic matter, and which everything that we don't have, which we don't have, <laughs> and everything that's alive in the soil, which we don't have. The solution is add lots of organic matter, woody mulch in the basin around the tree. When you dig your hole, take 50% of the dirt out of the hole, put it in the wheelbarrow, take 50% of Farmer Greg's planting mix or some other kind of planting mix, and put it in the wheelbarrow, mix it up. We're gonna add two pounds of azomite, which is a night micronutrient mineral for your tree two pounds of worm castings worm poop which is gardener's gold and two yeah. ounces of mycorrhizae mix that all up in the wheelbarrow and plant the tree with that that really gives your tree a huge limb up in success moving down the road
2: did you catch that a limb up
1: a limb up a limb I, I got up. it
0: let's see if we can bring Corey on into the conversation all right miss Corian.
1: Go ahead, Miss Corion.
0: Oh, I'm sorry.
1: No, that's a good I, all good. I'm Hello. Calling.
2: Thank you. My name's Ginger. Uh, I have a um, a new patio that was just put down of pavers, and I'm going to put pots on it and put a plant in each pot. And uh, it's right around the pool. And I told the person who I, I who answered the phone that I kill everything, and so I want something that will be on a drip system that won't die right away that I can easily take care of and wouldn't
0: have a lot of debris going into the pool.
1: There's there's something and, for Rosie's. What... That's Rosie's experience right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. An easy-to-maintain, easy-to-grow potted plant near a pool. Your recommendation, Greg?
1: I got nothing. In a pot? What? You're you're not a
0: you're you're not a fan of pots.
1: I'm not a fan of pots. They cook it's so too
0: maintenance, too high. Well, high maintenance. so
1: here's what we do with pots at the Urban Farm. We actually grow vegetables and we grow them seasonally, because they don't work in the summer. The problem with pots is you're whatever's in that pot in the summertime you're going to cook it. So we retire our pots for the summer, and in this uh, fall, winter, and spring we grow vegetables in them.
2: Very well said. Because I have tried and tried, and I, I I think the pop mindset is you put something in, it's going to last. Yeah. But it doesn't. No. And you're always having to replant. Yeah. I love seasonal flowers, but I hadn't thought about the vegetable part. And yeah. uh,
1: th- what's the easiest thing to grow that's expensive in the store? Could you put that in a plant, too, as well? Oh, yeah. Herbs. Herbs. Mm, that's so
2: expensive in the store, $5 yeah. for a I love plant.
1: it that you listen, Gary. Yeah. I know. Uh, I wish I could practice what I preach. <laughs> <laughs> and I know...
0: Uh, I have a couple associates, clients, who've actually put their pots on rolling casters. There you go. And they'll actually move them into the patio-protected area in in the worst, hottest, driest time of year. Yeah. And that that seems to help a little bit, I guess.
2: Buy you some time, anyway.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the other thing about pots is every time you flush water through it, you're flushing the nutrients out, so they have to be fertilized more often. So anything with
0: a pot is gonna be a little bit high maintenance. Don't think you can plant something one time and let it go unless maybe you you like agave, but throw a succulent in there and
1: that might work. Let her, but but that's would, not good next to a pool.
2: Watering's kind of an issue too. You'd either have to put it on an automatic
1: yes, drip, timer. Yeah.
2: Or be there every day to water them.
1: Yeah. Exactly. They would need to be watered every day, especially in the summertime. All right. So I, ho- I hope that
0: helps give you a few ideas. I think the, I think the herbs are good because you, you plant them, you water them, you care for them, you get something out of the deal, you and you regularly are replenishing whatever it is that you got going in there.
1: Right. Yeah, exactly.
0: Hard to beat, I think. All right. Let's take us back to citrus. We've talked about the pruning. We've talked about how to kill them. How do we thrive them?
1: How do we thrive them? Hey, let's save that for the break.
0: And we're going to want to cover that right when we get back. Excellent. Caring for and enjoying the citrus in your yard. With Greg Peterson of the Urban Farm. Greg, we can't wrap up this hour. We've talked about uh, pruning, uh, caring, uh, how to kill. Mm-hmm. Uh, now let's talk about how to make them thrive.
1: thrive yes. How
0: do we make our citrus thrive?
1: So first of all, you plant them right. Secondly, uh, you make sure that your basin and planting them right, I mentioned or, or in last segment, uh, make sure that you have your six-foot diameter basin with six inches of woody mulch in it. Uh, number three, you need to shade your tree. And... That may not be what you think it is. So shade number one is the woody mulch around the basin. Shade number two is a tree wrap. I'm not a fan of painting a trunk of a tree. Okay. But there are tree wraps out there that keep it from sunburning. That's shade number two. Shade number three is planting something in the basin that shades the basin. Just like we want to put up shade on the west side of the house we want to put shade on the ground i found uh, about 5 years ago i bought one of those you know those things that you point at the ground and you get a temperature mm-hmm. in my front yard in august in the afternoon uh, it was 140 degrees uh, at ground level It was 120 degrees six inches down underneath the cow peas growing in my front yard it was 89 degrees that's a 50 degree difference so plant cow peas we give away cow peas at our fruit tree program in january or plant sweet potatoes and the reason i chose those two to plant for shade is they're on the same watering schedule as your trees if you put watermelons under there, it probably needs water more often. All right. Okay. So cow peas, which we give away free with our fruit trees, and sweet potatoes, which you just buy organic sweet potatoes at the grocery store. Have them sprout on your countertop and plant them around your tree basin. So that's um, the next step is shading it. Um, It's always best if they can have Western shade. Uh, and if you have a real extreme space with a lot of concrete, you may have to put a shade cover for the first year or two. Right. The next thing we do is fertilizing. And there's multiple ways of fertilizing. Remember, you can do this for any trees or plants in your yard. First of all, for trees, you want to fertilize them on with a granular organic fertilizer. And we have tanks down in Tucson. They make a great fertilizer. Okay. And we have bioflora out in Goodyear. They make a great fertilizer. They're both organic. OMRI um, certified fertilizers here, and you want to fertilize on Valentine's Day, tax day, Memorial Day, and Labor Day. So you're going to give them a dose of nutrition. Just like, you know, just like us, we need to eat regularly. If you don't feed your trees regularly, that's one of the reasons we don't thrive. Now, the magic bullet, the silver bullet of making your trees and plants thrive is something called foliar feeding. Foliar feeding is, you know, those pump sprayers, you can buy one or sure. two gallon pump sprayers, yeah. right? Um, you fill up uh, a one gallon and put two ounces of uh, foliar fertilizer in it. And we use High Creations. They're a company here in town that, uh, that manufactures foliar feeds and spray it right on the tree. That way, the tree's taking it in through the trunk and through the leaves. And we have seen, since we went to the foliar feeding a couple of years ago, we have seen dramatic results. People, I've gotten in the past month, I've gotten two emails from people that planted bare root sticks from us, and that's how the the deciduous trees come in in January. They're about three feet tall with no leaves on them. And both pictures they sent six months later after planting... Eight foot tall filled completely filled out trees and they've been regularly fertilizing them and fuller fertilizing them it makes all the difference in the world
0: the secret takeaway tip of the hour
1: foliar feed your trees and
0: at, where do you find that product
1: Fruittrees.org is our website once you uh, uh go there 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 is we have more information about growing fruit trees than anybody in the southwest i have been doing it for decades we've got videos the website one more time Fruittrees.org.
0: there you go all right greg we appreciate you joining us this saturday and helping all the arizona homeowners kind of tune up the citrus production in their own front back and side yard two more hours of trying to become your best friend (laughs) we'll be talking about your house home castle or cabin Feel free to give us a ring. We'd love to hear about what project you're trying to tackle today or this week.